Hi, I'm Jay, an arts manager, educator, writer, musician, and professional daydreamer. And I'm Miguel, a musician, arts administrator, educator, and lover of all things nerdy. And this is Play Black, a podcast dedicated to nerddom, reviews, and hot takes on arts and culture and the human experience from the perspective of two melanated artists. Now, Miguel, we have been on hiatus. Mm-hmm. Been gone for summer break. How was mm-hmm. your summer break? Was you out like in Cancun, turning up? Was you resting? How was it for you? Nope. no 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 no. i've been doing the only thing that a bostonian is doing in august heading into september and that is drum roll yeah uh mm -mm. moving because that's what we do when they raise the rent we get the fuck out of there (laughs) it's not great uh i am semi out of moving hell but that's all right uh i started a new job which is great and uh just generally searching for like a new artistic direction and trying to figure my stuff out but excited to be talking to you excited to be talking to the peoples about all of this cool nerdy shit and yeah just excited to be here how about you how was your summer how was your hiatus uh my (laughs) my summer was good um my summer was good um it really made me appreciate like just the cycles of life you know like wow thinking to the beginning of the year feels like so long ago right and like the things that you experienced feel like so long but it just it was this beautiful like reflection on impermanence and how life will just keep moving and life is good and it is not good and it will never be one thing forever um and so to appreciate when it's good and then to remember its impermanence when it's not great um so yeah work was was good uh we had a really great group of apprentices this summer um i have really been in my artist bag as a writer um and i'm loving yes. this movie. um i've had so much i particularly I'm embracing this because I've had so much anxiety and imposter syndrome and fear around like being a writer, calling myself a writer, allowing mm. other people to call me a writer, reading, writing my things, reading my things. And there's just a beautiful clarity and confidence while still an appreciation for how far I still can and should go. You know what I mean? It's not that I'm True. perfect. It's yeah. not that I'm excellent. I'm just, I'm really good. And I can be better, and I can sit and acknowledge that. So that's cool. Um, and uh, work has one big project coming up for the year um, in October, so that's ready. And I guess another thing, and it happened very recently, I'm a professor now. Call me Professor Cobb. Yo, you know what I mean? Because Prof. Jay I, out here. Mm-hmm, yes. Out here in these, in these classrooms. No. Out in these streets. Um, I'm not lecturing out in these education academia streets yet now um teaching an online course for one of the local universities on black cinema um and it's fun i got to learn some things as i was putting the course together um i have 35 students and Ooh. a lot of assignments so you know i'm gonna be grading a lot of things soon and what i forgot i'm teaching mostly freshmen and what i forgot is that freshmen are basically high schoolers and so i'm just yeah. like i'm gonna be reading essentially 
mm-hmm. high school things. So we're we're gonna see. We're gonna pray. But I mean, I don't want to gloss over this new artistic direction you were talking about. What what does that mean? What does that look like? What are you exploring? Yeah, I mean, I just went through this program. We 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 know that we know this. We talked about this. Uh, we've been talking about this. Um, and you know, yes. I'm mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. you know, um unpacking all of it unpacking all of the things that i learned over the last uh couple of years and deciding what i want to keep and deciding what i want to pursue and also deciding Mm -hmm. what that means Mm -hmm. for for me as like a person of color just trying to navigate all these circles how do i want to represent myself how much do i want to represent of um my culture what is my culture you know just the, all those fundamental yeah. questions that you probably those already... easy easy questions they're so easy mm-hmm. they're the easiest you know yeah. um and i think that it is working itself out i think i've been collaborating with a lot of people which has been helpful to kind of you nice. know um bounce ideas off of folks uh, it's it's helpful in that mm-hmm. way but i've also just mm-hmm. kind of also taken a step back in a lot of other ways not put as much pressure Mm. onto myself to produce new things um and trying to be healthy in that way but it's always on the horizon you know what i'm saying like it's it's always like right there um for me to try to always strive towards towards being an artist and making new things and i'm i have so much respect for your like the way you just phrased what you, uh, uh, your your writing journey, just like, yo, I know this, I got this, I'm good, I can be better, and I'm gonna go get it. And I think that's what we all have to do as artists in our late twenties, early thirties, heading towards trying to be somewhat financially stable. All these different things that we're trying to accomplish um, while still keeping that dream of being a practicing artist alive. There has been so much change, so many updates, so many things are happening with us, with the world, and we're going to talk about it after the break in our Breaking Blurred News segment right after this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, y'all, even if we were not on hiatus, the past two days in particular were rife, jam-packed, filled to the brim with announcements from both the Disney D23 conference, which is like Disney Comic-Con, and the Ubisoft Forward conference, which is basically the Ubisoft Comic-Con. Facts, 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 facts. It's too much to even take on, but don't you worry. We got you covered with some highlights. Yes, okay, so... First up, coming out of Ubisoft, it is the 15-year anniversary of Assassin's Creed, and while there was certainly a very nostalgic, beautiful look at the past going down memory lane, we got a lot of news about the future of the franchise, and here go the, the hot points, okay? So, in Valhalla news, there's one more DLC coming that is going to wrap up uh, Avier's story, and then we got a trailer drop for the next installment of the game. It's called Assassin's Creed Mirage, and it's set in Iran, I believe, uh, and it's set 20 years before the story in Valhalla. Um, and honestly, I've seen the trailer. It, it, it kind of gave me goosebumps. It feels like a return to what Assassin's Creed was. There are no gods. 
it feels much more intimate of a story it feels like it's happening in the streets there's a brotherhood of assassins and they're assassinating people so it's a very exciting return to form in that way uh, we have an announcement of a mobile game called uh, Assassin's Creed Codename Jade, and it's set in China. And then we have Assassin's Creed Codename Red, which is going to be another game set in the oft-asked-for feudal Japan time period. And then we have another main game called Codename Hexy, uh, which is, uh, I think, a possible witchcraft or culty thing from the little clip that I saw. Very excited about that. And there's going to be a Netflix game, and there's going to be a Netflix show. So there is just a lot happening in the world of Assassin's Creed to be super excited about if you're an Assassin's Creed fan. Oh my god. And if you're not an Assassin's Creed fan, Marvel just straight up refuses to relent and dropped a lot of content and news on us as well. Disney D23 Marvel News alone. We got Secret Invasion trailer drop. Ki-Hui Khan joins Loki Season 2 of Everything Everywhere All at Once fame as well as the Indiana Jones films. We got Werewolf by Night trailer drop. Captain America New World Order, the return of Isaiah Bradley, Joaquin Torres officially becomes the new Falcon, and Tim Blake Nelson rejoins the MCU as the leader after hinting at his villainous turn back in The Incredible Hulk, if you can even remember the Edward Norton days. Right? We also finally have the Thunderbolts lineup. Marvel Suicide Squad will also include Yelena Belova, Black Widow, Red Guardian, Bucky, a.k.a. the Winter Soldier, the U.S. Agent, Ghost, and the Queen, Julia Louise Dreyfus as Valentina Aloga LeFontaine. Now imagine being a fan of both Ubisoft and Marvel, right? It was a good day for Mm-mm. me. I had a good day yesterday. Other news from the, 20, the D23 conference that was not Marvel-related, Halle Bailey of Chloe and Halle fame, of Grownish fame, uh, broke black Twitter last night uh, because we got the first Little Mermaid trailer and we got to hear just like eight seconds of her singing A Part of Your World and seeing it. And, oh my God, the tears, the chills. Everyone's wondering if we're going to come in like, you know, in, the, in swimsuits to the theater. We don't know how we're showing up yet, but the black contingent is coming, okay? Uh, we also got announced a Mufasa live-action prequel in the vein of the Lion King movie that came out a little bit ago with Beyonce, a prequel that centered around Mufasa. I don't know who asked for this. I'm going to be super honest, but mm-hmm. it is directed by Barry Jenkins, and so we're going to watch it, okay? Um, Inside Out is coming back with a sequel. Percy Jackson finally dropped their first trailer, and the Mandalorian Season 3 trailer also dropped. Wow. Shit is crazy, bro. But all of you anime lovers out there, don't you worry. We did not forget about you. We got some hot releases coming at you, starting with Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, the film, coming to Crunchyroll on September 21st, 2022. Spy Family and My Hero Academia are both returning on the 1st of October. Mob Psycho, the third season, October 6th, 2022. Bleach! One of the Ooh. big three of the new Shonen time. Bleach Thousand Year Blood War Arc returns on the 10th of October. And th- I think this is going to break the anime season up. Like, it's going to be a whole thing. Chainsaw Man, mm. October 11th, 2022. I cannot wait. It's giving me, honestly, and we can talk about this in a later episode, but Chainsaw mm. Man really feels to me like Jujutsu Kaisen. I'm trying to see the differences, and I can't really see them. But anyway... And then the lastly, dude has a cold, no, he, he has a chainsaw for a head. 
Come on, I bro. Know, but like, that's like having it. It's like okay, but like, interestingly powered main protagonist mm. fights demons with other exorcist or demons kill. You know what I mean? That's why I'm just mm-hmm. like, it feels the same. Um, but no shade. I'm gonna still try it. I'm gonna still try it. Uh, and then lastly, uh, breakout hit of the last season to your eternity season two, dropping Ooh. on the 23rd of October. We're gonna get into the play black right after this. Okay, we are back from the breaking blurred news. And honestly, in addition to all of this major nerd news, we also had some huge shows drop while we were gone. House of the Dragon, which boasted... Yeah, right? It's, it's, it's crazy. House of the Dragon had the largest premiere ever for an HBO show with almost 10 million folks turning in for the first episode and then increasing its wow. viewership to 10.2 million the following week. It was crazy. We also got The Rings of Power, the most expensive TV show ever made, at $58 million per, es- per episode. I, I don't even understand how that's possible. We also have She-Hulk. and oh, What? <laughs> like, right? Like, I, 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 I just don't get it. Um, it's crazy. Bezos got Bezos money. He thrown it yep. at Lord of the Rings, okay? Yeah, he, he, um, he got the Bezos money. Yeah, which of those have you seen though? Have you seen? Have you checked out any of these like biggest shows of all time? It seems. I have. I've checked out all of them, um, in Ooh. some way, shape, or form. So uh, t- we're we're recording this on Sunday, September eleventh. Weird day, um, and I have seen the first three episodes of uh, House of the Dragon, not the one that drops today. I'm going to watch that later tonight. Um, the first two ish episodes of uh, Rings of Power, and I've seen. Uh, up until the Megan Thee Stallion episode <laughs> of uh, She-Hulk. And, you know, I mean, She-Hulk, for me, the first episode really wasn't my jam overall. Mm. Um, obviously, obviously, super down with feminism and making sure that everyone's equal and all that stuff. It did feel a little preachy to me, the first episode. Just like, mm-hmm. you know, if, you are, if, if I'm already for your rights, I don't need it all up in my face. Um, yeah. That's just the me thing, though. I don't know. Um, if, if you know what it was, it felt more like DNC, like liberal, like yay, we're gonna put a, like Hillary Clinton, Clinton type lawyer <laughs> up as she hugged. Mm, I don't know. Mm. That 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 was just the first episode for me. That, uh, but honestly, after that, um, after, after they started like personifying the character and actually mm-hmm. like giving us more depth to who she is, as well as like giving her more to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was mm-hmm. I'm into it. It's it's a lot of fun. It's like a light, like lit, like watch. You don't have to like pay attention too too much, um, and you yeah. still get your know, your Marvel fix, and you get some Hulk action, and you get some fun cameos like Wong and the aforementioned mm-hmm. Queen Megan the Stallion. So I can't really complain about it, but I'm here for it. House of the Dragon. I'm pleasantly surprised. Honestly, it's it's holding up. Um, a lot better than I thought it was going to, considering uh, how the pre- its predecessor ended. I wasn't expecting much, but maybe those low expectations birthed some high quality stuff. Because honestly, I, I think it's rocking. 
it's it's it's, it's pretty good. Uh, not it's, it's not for everybody, um, okay. but I I honestly think that it's 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 pretty good, and it, it's honestly as of right now from where I am, kicking the Rings of Power's ass. It's not. Uh, they're they're kind of in two different universes as far as like dialogue and overall story. But I know you haven't seen sure. House of the Dragon, but how are you feeling about She-Hulk and the Rings of Power? Yeah, my thing with House of, Dra- House of the Dragon is just... Uh, 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 and we're, we're planning to have this discussion largely in another conversation. I said this like three mm-hmm. times now. we got a lot to talk about, guys. There's so many episodes coming up. I promise so there's going to be some good stuff. I just, you know, I I found myself feeling... I'll describe it this way. I was listening to an audiobook. I think this is like the first audiobook I ever listened to. I was in college, I think. Mm. Um, and it was a book by Orson Scott Card. And it had a very dark ending. Um, it was so dark that it literally took my breath away. It caught me by surprise. And what was really difficult for me was it lingered with me for days afterwards. And I find that when I take in art, I like to be affected. Um, but sometimes if something is too dark, it just like, it, it takes up space in my chest for a lot. And mm. I was finding with Game of Thrones and it was just overwhelmingly cloyingly dark and dank and depressing. And it just seemed to be saying that we're always the worst of ourselves. Mm. Um, and I just, I don't want to feel that feeling. You know what I mean? And uh, so I'm like, I'm going to avoid that. And I love good violence, but I love violence in the name of like hope. And victory and love. And that's mm. not what this is. And so I'm just like, I'm I'm good. Um I had no desire to watch She-Hulk initially, only because, and I've said this before, I feel like in this phase the MCU is just getting really disjointed and frenetic. And there are just so many mm-hmm. shows existing, and I don't know why they exist. One thing that I loved a lot about the previous phases was every movie, every whatever, was a chapter in one large story. Um, and I think that that worked really well for the MCU is part of why I think that people really drawn to it. And this phase is just scattershot. It feels like. And so I was like, why do we need a She-Hulk? Like, what is She-Hulk going to do with he who remains and Quantumania? Like, I can't see it. Um, but I still watched it because I'm a loyalist and I love it. (laughs) Just like you said, I think it's funny. Um, I think there's a lightness to it and a joy, um, and I think maybe that's the point. You know what I mean? I think sure. it's a, it's a nice little palate cleanser from the, the the weightedness and the heaviness sometimes of the MCU in general. Um, you know, Rings of Power. I feel like is your quintally quintessential like British people covered in dirt with long hair, saying really stupid long names <laughs> and like Welsh and fighting with swords, talking really gravely about. A dark one coming. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. nothing new. It does not challenge anything in that conceit. There's some more melanin in there. But it's just, I think, the same story we're used to executed right. relatively well. Maybe executed better than any other show of its ilk in that way. Although, I guess you're saying, like, I feel like Game of Thrones is not quite the same because there aren't, like, elves and blah, blah, blah. Like, there's a, right. there's a certain, like... Right. layer of cheesiness and magic missing from game of thrones mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it's the same thing executed well and so i watch it but it doesn't move me um so but i watch it yeah i mean 
I think I was just a bit disappointed when I realized that, like when I when I initially got the news that they were doing this show, they were doing this prequel. I thought that for mm-hmm. sure it was going to be uh, the Selmarillion. Uh, the Selmarillion. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't pronounce things today. It's all right. Um, or, you know, basically stories from the first age. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. for y'all who are Tolkien fans out there. I read The Hobbit um, and uh, all three Lord of the Rings books. I, I've read some of the like unfinished tales and some of the Tolkien stuff. I, I was a fantasy nerd growing up, so I just got into it. Um and I read parts of the Summerillion when I was a kid, and I was really excited to like see uh, that first age stuff because we were always constantly in the third age when it comes to uh, Tolkien, uh, when it comes to anything mm-hmm. films, right? Um, mm-hmm. But no, uh, it turns out Amazon does not have the rights to the Summerillion at all. Um, so oh. all of this stuff is just based off of like the appendices of the Lord of the Rings. Um, and like it's interesting, like it's cool to see like Galadriel when she was a couple thousand years younger and like still cut, like fucking motherfuckers up. <laughs> like that, that, that it's cool to see. And Elrond is cool, is around. It's 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 a little weird to tap into these characters at different points. But uh, I got I have to say the second episode uh, did a lot for me actually. Um, when it comes to like the melanin piece, like. I don't know. Like we're we're, we're going to have a, a a a like bigger conversation about this and I know we always say that but it's true cuz we we're, we're going to um but like in a moment. So in a, <laughs> in a moment. Um there I feel like there's a difference between representation that is actually effective towards the people that's representing and just representation for representation's sake to make a corporation money. Um yeah. and I'm not saying that Either of them aren't corporations trying to make money, like uh, the 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 black people in House of the Dragon, the Valerians, um, or uh, Arondir, uh, and and the uh, black Harfoot. I guess we're not we're not we're not dealing with hobbits yet. Um, in Rings of Power, mm-hmm. like yeah, yeah, these are both they're both corporate cash grabs. But for me, it's whether how it's executed and whether those people feel fully realized within the story and i for me right now it feels like house of the dragon is doing that a bit better than rings of power and i'm hoping through this conversation i can figure out why because i'm not exactly sure yet but um yeah i mean you raise a good point about adding melanin to these properties like we have like prominent pocs and a lot of properties right now we are already discussing the Rings of Power and House of Dragon, but we also have Death in Sandman, uh, that new Netflix show. Uh, you already mentioned Ariel and Little Mermaid, and Jacob Anderson, aka Grey Worm, as Louis in uh, Interview with a Vampire, a movie that scarred me as a child. <laughs> oh, I've never seen it. This this will be my first, and I'm very excited. And honestly, what's really sad about all this is you're right. There's a lot of representation, but the trolls are like big men. And when I say mm-hmm. big men, I mean like big men, like um, not even just with the shows that have more POCs in them, but also the shows with a stronger uh, female identifying presence, right? Like uh, She-Hulk and the boys. And mm-hmm. so like on the one hand, we can just be like, oh, it's just trolls. Like it's internet bullshit, like whatever, whatever. But as we're about to get into, there are real consequences and real um 
kind of echoes and uh, ripples of like what this behavior is doing. Um, mm. So if you haven't heard of review bombing, mm. um, it's a relatively new uh, uh, thing where uh, before sometimes something even comes out or right when it comes out. Um, the everyday person. So these aren't like critic reviews. These are audience reviews. They just go there and they shit on them to tank the score. Uh, because if it has a lower score, other people are just like, uh, I'm going to watch it. Or, you know, the execs are just like, ugh, this isn't really landing with people, whatever. Right. And so we've been seeing this happen for a little bit now. Um, and it's happening a lot to shows that have POC leads, um, or women leads. Right. And so mm. like take example, she Hulk. We just said we enjoy it or whatever. It has yeah. an 88% critic score. That has a 41% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. And you know how I found this out? I saw an article that said the She-Hulk audience score is now lower than in humans. <laughs> okay. Now, I just, I want everyone to stop. I want everyone to stop. Oh, no. Because how the fuck dare you? Okay? Do, do we remember Inhumans? So Inhumans, I believe, is one of the reasons why they fired, Marvel fired their head of TV. It was going to be this big thing. It was bringing Inhumans into the MCU. It was going to be a movie, but they decided to put it on television. But they weirdly had a partnership with IMAX. So they released the first episode in IMAX and then put the rest of it on ABC. And shit was trash. It was hot trash. trash. The CGI was horrible. The acting was horrible. The writing was horrible. I don't even think it got to air its complete first season because nope. it was that bad and then mm. that man got fired heads rolled and how dare you <laughs> give She-Hulk a lower score than the humans it's just <laughs> like what it's trash it's hot trash and so we're about to go and show now kind of this this unfortunate increasing pattern of sad pathetic white people feeling mostly white men but not exclusively uh being in their feelings about having some representation so miguel go ahead yeah i mean uh i saw this really interesting article in deadline um and it was an interview uh for ismael Cruzca cordova who is the uh puerto rican person who plays the elven warrior arandir in the rings of power he recently opened up about having to fight racist trolls on social media um like they've only like showcased pure and vicious hate speech against him you know what i mean like it's like, it's no good. Uh, quote, he says, uh, I fought so hard for this role for this very reason, uh, he recently told Esquire. I felt that I could carry that torch. I made sure that my elf was the most elven, the most incredible, because I knew this was coming. Like, he worked hard for that shit, and, he's, and like, he knew it was coming, mm-hmm. and it's still just, like, mm-hmm. tore him apart. It's like, it's, it's, it's a bunch of bullshit. Mm-hmm. It is a bunch of bullshit. According to Variety... House of the Dragon star Steve Toussaint, who plays Lord Corliss Valerian, aka the Sneeze, the Sea Snake, sorry, on uh, the series, slammed viewers of the Game of Thrones prequel who took issue with his casting. He says, quote, it seems to be very hard for people to swallow. They're happy with a dragon flying. They're happy with white hair and violet colored eyes. But a rich black guy, that's beyond the pale. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking mic drop. Bro, I love Steve Tucson. And he's killing it in that role, by the way. He's absolutely destroying it. Um, that's part of the part of the reason why I think uh House of the Dragon's actually killing it uh, when it comes to it. Or not mm. killing it, maybe doing better than the, the most uh at, at pulling this off. Sure. But it continues, you know. Um Aaron Moriarty, who plays Starlight on Amazon's hit series The Boys, says in response to an article describing her cyberbullying, quote, I do feel silenced. 
I do feel dehumanized. I do feel paralyzed, end quote. Um, she also wrote, uh, I've put blood, sweat, and tears into this role over and over and over again. I've grown up in this character's shoes. Emphasis on growing up. Uh, we change and evolve mentally and physically. This does break my heart. I've opened up a vein for this role, and this kind of trolling is exactly what this role, Annie, would speak out against. So it's one thing to like not like something on the artistic merits of it all, and it's another thing to... I think we already have an issue in general across the aisle, across what you believe in like attacking actors for problems in their characters or attacking people for what you might or might not like about their work. But it's different when you're not reacting to the work, right? You're just Mm -hmm. being racist. And so it's like they, I feel like people like to wrap the racism up in other excuses like, Oh, you know, that's not historically accurate or, you know, the, the, the niggas who were so mad about, she-Hulk twerking with Megan the Stallion. I I cannot. I don't actually understand it. But I've seen so much things of just like, you know, uh, fucking um, um. Oh my god, not me forgetting Iron Man's name right now. What the fuck? Tony Stark. <laughs> Thank you. Tony Stark <laughs> died for this, and it's just like, yeah. Do you do people not twerk in the wild? Like I don't under like what the fuck? Like I just I don't get it. Or you know what really bothers me though is like when these are made up characters from a made up species from a made up land from a made up book or comic, and they're just like that's not culturally accurate. It's like don't don't do this. Just if you gonna do it, say it with your chest, right? You are a racist woman hating asshole. Okay, and it's just mm-hmm. like just say that, own that, and we could all tell the truth, and we don't have to like pretend and engage in discourse because what then bothers me is and i believe it was tony morrison who said this right of like the goal of racism is to always keep us explaining right it's always to keep us like trying to center that what i believe is fake ignorance and fake confusion to educate white people into like understanding what's wrong and i'm just like this is a wasted effort on our part we're wasting our energy because Mm. that's not the problem they don't think it's culturally inaccurate they just don't want black people in it they don't think that it's like not respectful to tony they just don't want women starring in it if they're not like i don't know but usually shaking their ass seems to do it's like i don't even fucking get it it's like Mm. i don't like that we then have to expend all of the energy to try to combat racism or the the excuse that is really just racism and it even breaks my heart to hear um to hear ismail say like i made sure i was extra elven or i worked extra hard because i knew this was coming that's fucked up it's fucked up that you are now as mm. the actor like having to put this pressure on you as we always say we have to work twice as hard right to like right. circumvent these things and you still deal with it and i hate that that we're centering their racism and misogyny and our experience of something that should be joyful that we've been asking for that we want to see ourselves in it's exhausting it's exhausting and it, it's 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 only true because they're the they're the target audience right for all these corporations right uh like mm. straight up um if uh if if the entire white population just dropped off Disney and uh, Marvel and all, <laughs> and all of them, um, they find out that they have a, a, a very, very, very stringent um, and, and, and proud uh, POC base as well. But they, they would mm-hmm. fall under uh, like financially very quickly, right? Um, no, I, I, I hear what you're saying, man. It's like, it's no good. It doesn't make any sense. Um, 
they uh, kind of bend over backwards. Uh, they being like bitch ass white <laughs> white folks, like they bend over backwards to like make it not make sense. Even though, like, okay, like, bro, th- th- there are different races yeah. in different places. Like, it, it just that's that's just how it would be in any society that we've ever seen there are just uh, there's a mix of people of course uh maybe not as mi- uh, as mixed as the americas because that, that's a newer phenomenon but like there's no comparison like i don't understand what you're trying to get at and i don't understand why it the, this the thing is that, all fake it's, it's right fake. one it's all this fake but also like why does this make you so mad like could you, i i have yet to hear like one person give like a, a response that actually makes sense as to why this makes you so mad that like that there's a person of color doing something that might be culturally represented representing other people of color i I don't get why this makes you so angry um and yeah because racism well sure right (laughs) honestly it's it's, i've heard someone say like the the n-word equivalent to white people is racist right and so there are some (laughs) who are so afraid of being called racist and being labeled racist even if they are that they go to such extreme lengths to avoid just saying and acknowledging that truth Mm -hmm. and the reason to your point why we can never hear them explain anything is because it is racism and they don't want to acknowledge it because they don't want to have to hold that word they just don't because they don't like the consequence of that word. Maybe not even because of the truth of it. They don't like the consequence of that word. Right. It's a. It's 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 the, one of the ugliest things you can call somebody. Right. Um, and they don't want to face the fact that there's some ugliness in there. And you, like shit. I don't know. A, a, any person of color. Any. Or for example, I'll, I'll give an example. I'm I'm a fairly light skinned Afro Latino person. Right. Like. I'm brown for sure, but like, yeah, I there's some privilege that I have to unpack as a lighter skinned brown person, mm. um, and yeah, of course there's some there's prejudice and some racism in me. I have to figure that out early. These white yeah. folks, not so much. They're 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 they are cocooned. They are yeah. protected from all of this. Um, this idea that there might be something wrong with them or they might have to do some work or they might have to look at something in a different way. It's not even that something's wrong with them. Everybody's prejudice. Like mm-hmm. e- all, people of all walks of life have prejudice that they have to work through. Um, mm-hmm. Just because you haven't yet doesn't mean it's a bad thing that you do. <laughs> now you're, I think you're saying something very interesting because one thing that I was feeling as I was seeing all this was like, a lot of this is happening in IPs that are pre-existing. And one of the things that people get to say is like, it wasn't like that in the book. It wasn't like that in the comic. It wasn't like that. Mm. And like, there's saying you're changing things. And then you get into the discussion, even on the other side where it's just like, we don't want to be what other people were or whatever. And for me, how it's feeling right now is I don't want to just be inserted into someone else's story at this point. Yep. So now you're talking about, I'm going to connect this thread in a moment. You're talking about, uh, how white people will have to acknowledge um, their isms and their prejudices um, and make changes accordingly. Now, what's really interesting mm. is some of the work that's been getting this backlash. Let's look specifically at Neil Gaiman and Rick Riordan. We can even look at Anne Rice just a little bit because mm. 
they are people who in their books, even this happened with J.K. Rowling for a second too, right? Right. Who had overwhelmingly white characters in all of their stories, right? And mm. then all of a sudden in new variations of their stories. So for Neil, if we take a look at Sandman, how all of a sudden it's now much more racially diverse. Rick right. Riordan, uh, the backlash that happened when Annabeth, who was this blonde, blue-eyed girl, is now played by a black woman. Uh, like I said, J.K. Rowling, back when the stage play came out and it was a black woman as Hermione. And right. Rice, there's now a black man in that thing. They're involved. And you can say they've grown, right? They might have realized, huh, when I was mm-hmm. writing this, I was only thinking like default white. And now I'm being an ally. I'm being um, an accomplice in this. And I'm going to stand behind it. And they've been very vocal and very vocally supportive. Right. But at the same time, I guess my question is, even if they've grown, which good for them, they should. I'm glad that they mm-hmm. did. And I'm glad that they're like saying it with their chest. Are they still part of the problem? Because I feel like they have given these fans that they're now fighting with, right? They're not fighting with their own, quote, fans mm. okay. <laughs> uh, because of what they put in their work. And so I'm wondering, what is their relationship to that? How do they navigate that? Because in a lot of ways, it's just like you were problematic when you created an entire world full of white people. And mm. while we appreciate this step now, right. look at all the Michigas that it's causing. So I'm just wondering, what what do you think their role in in this is I mean, a mess. I, sure, <laughs> it is a mess. That's for sure. I mean, I think that's, that's an interesting question because I think that people who have power should use it and and to help to help others um, who don't have power, mm-hmm. right? And these authors have ultimate power over their IPs, right? Um, those who haven't signed mm-hmm. away their rights, at least, right? Um, Neil Gaiman's a good example, I think, because. Neil, um, I, I was fighting to hard. He even fighting on behalf of Lord of the Rings too. Mm-hmm. But I listened to an, an, an interview that he did with um, Mark Maron over on the WTF podcast, and mm-hmm. he was talking about the uh, the casting, um, how they how they went about casting um, Sandman, mm-hmm. and it was really interesting because I think it was a, a really good mix of both weighing just the overall skill needed to portray a certain character as well as mm-hmm. questioning whether that character needed to be white. What he was doing was basically mm-hmm. saying like they went through every single catalog of character, like the, the uh, death. Is there a particular reason that death has to be a male or, or mm-hmm. has to be white? And if the, if the answer uh, of, of the, the, the brain trust was no, it was like, okay, well let's open up casting to literally everybody. And let's mm. and 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 then the person who personifies the character the best and the person who wins out, you know, uh, how we how we always say like the, um, the uh, I, the person with the most skill wins out on the role, right? Sure. Um. So the opportunity was given out to everybody, and the person who was best won, and that person just happened to be a black person. I think that's a decent mm-hmm. model to follow. Mm-hmm. Um. I I struggle with. Maybe I'm too nice. I don't know, but I struggle with um, kind of pinning down um, creators to who they were 20, 30 years ago, um, and holding them to that to to let their feet to the fire because of what they were doing at a time when things were acceptable. Of course, we can we can criticize their work from a, a view a, a, a modern lens for sure, but I feel like we should maybe not praise, but just a now, maybe even appreciate. I think what Neil's doing is exactly right. He speaks his mind. 
he speaks to, uh, uh, he uses his power to help. He updates it to uh, his his work so that it, it actually reflects the current um, environment. And he does so without he trying to get praise for himself. I don't know. I think I think that that works for me. Um, J.K. Rowling's a a whole lot. I don't know. What, what do you What do you think of that? I'm struggling because there's a part of me that goes, they're doing right now mm-hmm. the best thing to do right now. And a part of me, and to me, it's, it feels like a very, a de facto admittance of a thing that we never really hear white people say out loud. And maybe that's oh, why I'm annoyed by it. I see. Which is like, when I was creating, everyone was white because I wasn't thinking about anything. It was mm. just, I saw people. And of course, when I saw people, they were white and I put them in there. I wasn't really giving it any rich thought because Mm. they were just my characters. And now it is very obvious that they are thinking just like you said and being very intentional about this. Mm -hmm. And that in and of itself is like an admittance and reflection that that is not what their process was a while ago. And for me, it's like, I wish that you had thought this way. In the beginning, when you were writing this mm-hmm. down. And so the part that I wrestle with is like, obviously, they can't go back in time. But I do, I think, wish that there was an acknowledgement of just saying, like, we were caught up. We were in there. Like, it was just, yeah. it was not a thing for us to think through. And we're better now. We've grown now. We get it more now. I think that would help. Particularly because, mm-hmm. as I see all of this backlash, and I think about how I'm writing, mm-hmm. I become less and less enamored with, again, seeing myself in other people's stories and really just feeling like I don't know that I want the representation we get to be at the hands of white people in white people's stories. Um, Because very often, (laughs) even if we are in those stories, we Mm. are still not centered, right? And so if we think about Sandman, it's a story about a white man and there's some people of color around him. House right. of the Dragon is a story about a white family and mm-hmm. there's some black people around them, sure. right? And we could keep going through that list of just like, even when they're trying, it's still centering whiteness, right? Mm-hmm. And now we mm-hmm. become ancillary or as always, the sidekick, the best friend, the whatever, or the double minority, because usually it's going to be, well, we're going to be the POC and we'll be the queer one. And mm-hmm. so it's just like, I just, I'm, I'm getting exhausted at mm-hmm. that role that we play in their narrative and their lens. And I just wish that we had more of an opportunity to tell those stories at the same level they're getting. And I wonder, do you think that like making and telling our own stories, do you think it would circumvent this issue? Because I'm just like a racist. I don't think can like say anything publicly without being racist if it's just well i'm a black person and this is the original story and it's about black people you know what i mean like what do you say to that that's not just overtly racist do you think that could do anything to this conversation well i mean i think those racist people wouldn't probably be taking like they wouldn't take in that content um (laughs) so true right so there, there probably wouldn't be um that much of a backlash just because of that but also on the other end of that like the people who are problematic and um 
you know, may, might have good intentions, but uh, don't realize that they have unconscious biases that are coloring the way they're viewing something. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Those people, it would it, it would probably be like the benefit most would go to them after the benefit to us of just seeing ourselves represented. Uh, right. Because they, they would actually be able to imbibe in something and maybe gain some sentience as to why they were not okay with it when it was in a white thing. But as soon as it, as it's in a black thing, they're like, Oh, mm-hmm. right. I think that that would probably be like the, the, the people who would, who would, it would bring them into the fold in some way. Yeah. Um, but the other, you said something interesting uh, that made me think of a, a of another interview that that I was listening to. Because um, Tolkien, I mean, this uh, Tolkien has been the the standard bearer for like high fantasy for our entire lives. Like, uh, yeah. when, when it comes to literature, right? Yep. And his and he's inherently problematic, right? Be, uh, just how he. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are these the, the people that are good and there are the people that are bad and that's just it, right? And the people that are bad just tend to yeah. be very dark and very, <laughs> very, very, very black. And the people that are good just tend to be um, white men uh, with a couple of feminist icons like Owen. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like throw it in the mix. Um, I was I was listening to someone who is an expert on Tolkien, and she said she how, she described him in a really interesting way. Uh, um, in, apparently, in Nazi so. Germany, some uh, German um, literary critics reached out to Tolkien and basically asked him if uh, he had any Jewish blood in his lineage, um, and Tolkien's response was like. Like I don't think so, but if I did, I'd be proud of it, <laughs> basically. Um, which, like, you know, a lot of people take that and they say, mm. like, "Oh, Tolkien wasn't a racist. Like, he he was he was anti-Nazi, um, and he was anti-apartheid. He had some things that he said about um, uh, uh, opposing apartheid in um, in Africa." Mm. Sure, sure, sure. I, think I saw um, that recently. Yeah. That doesn't make Tolkien not problematic. It makes him anti-extremist. Is what was what was was her critique. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make him anti-racist, right? And we're in a in a, in a climate right now in which we're mm. trying to get to a point of no, no, no. We're all battling this sickness together, right? Not just trying to like yeah. push it over there and say no, no, no. I'm good, but over there is bad, right? Um, and that's in kind of in- inherently um, been the issue in the fantasy that is popular of, uh, of the time, at least in the last 40 years, up until the last maybe 15, right? Um, save like Octavia Butler or like just like, you know, your 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 flashes of beautiful um, POC representation, right? Mm-hmm. So... To, a long answer to your question is yes. I think making more of our own stuff um, will circumvent the issue if our stuff gets the same play and gets the same level of recognition as everybody else's, which is a high order. And money? Could you imagine okay. if a black something got fifty-eight million dollars episode? Could you imagine an episode, which is also still wild. 
an episode. I just... <sighs> okay, two more questions on this. And so, as I said, uh, we've seen that Tolkien and Riordan in particular mm-hmm. are fighting back against their quote-unquote fans, right? Uh, but then we see, again, these artists talking about the effect that this kind of discourse and trolling has had on them. So what is the solution? We, we as fans have a level of inoculation from all this because we can just like not look at those comments or like whatever, Mm. but these are people who are attached to it. It is their work. How do they navigate with this? What are solutions for them to deal with like the onslaught of this misogynistic Uh. racist bullshit? (laughs) Well, I'll I'll keep my answer. What's the answer, Miguel? Your your, your thoughts on this one. Um, But I don't think, you know, I, I, th- I think we, you and I, I think believe in the same, a similar thing of like kind of death of the author, right? Like, it, you, uh, and I think I've used this example before. Like I, I mm-hmm. still enjoy Harry Potter content um, and I've divorced like the, the world of Harry Potter away from the author, J.K. Rowling. Right. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll use it in this context. Mm. Like those people, those people with hate in their heart are always, no matter what, going to flip it into a negative that there's representation. They're going to flip it into a negative that, um, Neil Gaiman decided mm-hmm. to have people of color, um, when, when they were white in the comics, they're going to, they're going to have the audacity to tell the person who created a universe that that they're wrong when they change the universe that they created. Um, so I think when it comes to like review bombing and harassment of um, actors of color who are kind of putting their necks on the line for representation, um, I don't have a, a solution to that. I do think that eventually that is going to go away because there's, there's just going to be, so much of it that it's going to be impossible. It's going to be like a tide that overwhelms. Um, but when it comes to the creators themselves, mm. like honestly, we're like two two generations out until Gen Gen Z is the people in charge, and I don't think we're going to have that much of a problem. <laughs> uh, I, that that sounds like a it's out of our hands. I I think as millennials, we're supposed to help them along the way um, as much as possible and make sure that we. Um, set the road up mm-hmm. but I don't know it's a really interesting question Jay because I don't think there is uh, a way to stop those people with hate in their heart I just think we have to keep branding them out what do you think yeah this is no shade to Gen Z um, I guess it's a little shade to Gen Z because I hear a lot of people being like Gen Z gonna save us and I and I taught high school students, and I'm just like, y'all, they be eating Tide Pods. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, yes, yes, they are very woke, and pods. yes, you know, uh, they have some less internalized isms and are much more willing to confront things. But the way that I had to sit with my teens and be like, y'all, we had to put warning labels on detergent because That's how mess up the world is Jay. Stop from eating it. Um, Means oh I'm not God. gonna put all my eggs on that basket. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna look to them, but I'm not gonna put all my eggs in that basket. You know, it's interesting. As I was thinking about it, I actually don't know. Again, as I've been on my own artistic journey, I've been saying that like I and this kind of also has been applying with me to work as well. I'm getting less and less interested in um 
mm. like quantitative numbers when it comes to my work on like who's taking it in, right? For me, I want to make sure that right. my work is good, like it, that it is good work, that it is work that I can stand by, and in my professional work, that it is work that is speaking to and developed from an understanding of the needs of my constituency and the people that I'm serving. Um, and whoever takes it in, as long as it, like, again, is good, mm-hmm. then I'm okay with that. And if it's three people, wonderful, because it's doing its job for three people. And kind of for me, artistically, it's the same thing of just, like, I really cannot concern myself with who's taking this in and receiving. All I can do is make sure that I'm doing the best I can at the work I can. And so in some ways, I feel like that's all that's there for them. Not the creator so much, because, again, I think because... I also want to be clear. I really enjoy Rick Riordan. And I will say, and I've said this before, that the first time I did see myself mm-hmm. represented, but one of the first times I saw myself represented in books was one of his books. Okay. Um, and I also have grown to appreciate Neil Gaiman as well. So this is not me shitting on them. I'm just also acknowledging facts. And so for me, they've made their bed a little bit and they're lying in it with their chest, which is great. Um, and so I think there's a part of them that do have to actively be out there. But for the artists themselves, show up to work, do a good job. Where I actually think the responsibility Mm. lies is with two people, the media and us. I've been noticing this thing sometimes where I will see articles or news stories based on tweets, right? And they'll go, Oh, there's been significant uproar over something, something. And they'll read two tweets. And that's like the source of their news. And then I look at like Mm -hmm. trending tweets, right? And something that's trending worldwide. And it sounds like it's a lot of people because it's trending worldwide. Mm -hmm. But really, it could be like a thousand tweets on one subject makes it trend worldwide. Or 40,000, whatever. And so I feel like the media sometimes puts a lot of oxygen on a fire and really makes it seem like there's this quintessential cultural problem and everyone's up in arms when really it's like Johnny and two of his testicles that are tweeting something uh, really bad. And I think what happens is, and this is the part where I think the rest of us come in, those people are leaving reviews. Even as you and I are here talking about review bombing, talking about trolls, have you ever left a review on like any of these shows or movies that we love so much on Rotten Tomatoes or like Amazon Prime or anything? I have actually. Uh, I've I've left uh, reviews on Rotten Tomatoes uh, many times because, um, per this podcast, um, you know we want to be movie critics. So <laughs> you fucking get it, literally. Yeah, right. So I feel right, like right. that's that's part of it. I feel like we, as the the quote, I'm saying this in quotes, the good fans, right, the ones mm-hmm. who do want to see this work, who do want to celebrate the artistry we also have to be loud like we have to show up loudly and i think we don't always do that and you always hear from the artists involved like you know yes there are people that i that i hear and yes it's negative but like it always moves me more right when like i hear the good stuff i hear the positive feedback so i feel like what we can do is just be louder than the trolls yeah 100 percent and I think we out- outnumber them, actually. I think so, too. <laughs> they they, they are so a too. loud minority. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. squeaky wheel gets the grease and all that shit, right? Like, Literally. No, nah, it's, it, yeah, nah, that's a good point. And there's a, 
I there's always a really interesting um, if you're on TikTok or if you're on Instagram and like there and you're on blurred TikTok and Instagram specifically, there is a large contingent of people that no matter what they make these worlds and these characters reflect them regardless of of the creator's intent, and it's really mm-hmm. powerful to seeing all these mm-hmm. um, yeah hot. Uh, <laughs> Uh, cosplay biddies like just like <laughs> out here being anime girls sure. and it's like there ain't no black anime girls <laughs> in anime but you're, you're, you're damn sure that these these people are going to make themselves seen regardless of anyone else's uh, problem so take up that no, space yeah no right they take up that space because they deserve to be in the space just yeah. like everybody else yeah for sure mm-hmm. I think that leads perfectly to the last question in the section which is how can we, the people who love these stories now, remain excited um, by these stories or by the representation when we always have to navigate or fight against this, right? Like, there was this one tweet I saw that was going viral, and I might have reshared it. That was something along the lines of, like, you know, we we wish for so long to see ourselves in this, and we escape into fantasy, right? Like, that's part of what fantasy is. We escape the bullshit of the real world into this and it's like racism and misogyny follows us there and that can be exhausting Mm. and i'm not gonna lie this week i was exhausted by it this week i was just like because there was so much news coming out right there was so much really good awesome nerd stuff that the inevitable back the inevitable backlash came and i was just like "I, I, i don't to fight all 20 of this you know at the same time to be excited by Hallie and then see all the comments. To be excited about uh fucking interview with a vampire being like, oh, this is new for me. I haven't done this. It's so cool. And then to see all the comments. To be excited by Megan the Stallion twerking alongside She-Hulk and then mm-hmm. have to, you know what I mean? Like, it's right. just, it's like a up and down. And so, I don't know. How, how can we inoculate ourselves from that part of it? I mean, I think we got to take turns, bro. <laughs> keep fre- keep fresh mm. troops up front i don't know like i don't think it's always our responsibility to speak out i uh, i think if you have the power and you have the time and you want to fucking go for it do it um if you don't and you just want to take in this media and do your thing put your blinders on do your thing because we have to figure this out as a community so it's, it's not a bunch of individuals you know what i'm saying like if, if i thought that yeah. um i had to be a um a warrior every single time something came out and that and that was on me i think I'd, I'd be crushed within six months you know what i'm saying but like if if it's a whole community you right. know just like making sure that we're lifting each other up when we can and you know still living our lives and making sure that it's sustainable i think it, it it'll, it'll work um for those of you who think that you're you're that one person that can that you're, you're the one that's going to make make it so that poc representation isn't shat upon <laughs> you're not alone and you should take a break and take some mental health time and like do your thing and read uh, Children of Blood and Bone again. <laughs> feel feel represented. Um, mm. But uh, we all have to be there for each other and lift each other up because no one else is going to. One thing I'm taking away is, even though I just made up this whole thing about like, we got to leave the reviews and be loud. I've, I, I don't do it. So I'm going to go <laughs> follow your lead and actually do that some more. But I also think um, I sometimes have this curiosity, right, where I read comments and in my mind, it's just like, Jay, it's the Internet. Don't read comments. 
but yeah. black Twitter, right? Like the black internet mm. is the funniest, most hysterical Hilarious. place I can go. And it will sometimes leave me in tears from laughing. And so I feel like there's a part of me that's like, I know where to find that, right? And then I also know, like, where the white people going to be. And sometimes, sometimes in me is just this curiosity of just like, I see how we're reacting to something. I wonder what they're saying over there. You know what I mean? And I go look at and then I get mad. And I'm like, you did this to yourself, Cottle. And I feel like maybe that's a boundary I need to put up of just like, don't don't ruin your peace like that. Don't don't ruin your peace. You know, already sometimes black Twitter will surprise you with anti Beyonce hate and that will come out of nowhere. You can't prepare yourself for that because it's random. But this you know how to avoid the trolls. So yeah, I'm gonna avoid the trolls and I'm going to just leave my own reviews on things too. I think that's what I'm gonna do. And maybe I'll look up some more thirst trap cosplayers yeah. like Miguel. Does. Respect. Which you just admitted to on a nationally syndicated, because we're nationally syndicated uh, um, podcast, and that people from around the nation listen to it. We're not picked up by anything, but that'll change one day. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're, we're definitely nationally syndicated, um, and you shouldn't look into that at all, uh, actually. You, you really should. Um, um, and with that, we hope you have enjoyed Whew! this episode of Play Black. We're back from the hiatus, y'all. Just cracking cracking knuckles, getting ready for this last stretch. Um, yeah, make sure you hit that subscribe That's button and stuff. leave a review. Oh, we got some good stuff going on. It's cool. Um, follow us on the TikToks, on the Instagrams. DM us all the wonderful things that you want us to cover or just like to tell us that we're cool and stuff. <laughs> Also, you can guess about how much you love the show and in honor of Jay's Black Cinema course. Let him know which black movie you'd like to Netflix and chill with him. With. <laughs> I'll make the cookies. <laughs> the, the, y'all, there's cookies. You, you got it now. You just got it. It's crazy. Don't do it for, don't do it for the black cinema. Do it for the cookies. <laughs> do it for the cookies. All right, y'all. We'll see you back here soon. Peace. Peace.